Listener Production. Here at Listener, we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. It's a lot, isn't it? This is very exciting for me. Max knows how excited I am about oh this. God, you've been so excited all day. All day, all week. When he told me this was happening, I was like, I thought I misheard you. So Max saw me on on a Zoom call. He was like, Ben's coming on. And I was like, Ben who? He's like, Ben Lee. And I was like, no, he's not. So everyone, Ben Lee is here. Hello, Ben. Hello, Abby Chatfield. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm a bit starstruck. My heart is pounding a little bit. I- I was not a very hard get for you. I did say on your TikTok, I was like, I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> no, I know. And I was, I, I, I always think people are bullshitting when they say that because people are often like, oh, I want to come on the podcast. I'm like, okay, come on. And they're like, nah. Or like, we'll ask people questions. And they're like, oh, it's an hour. Or like, it's, you know, it's 40 minutes. It's a bit hard. But I am so excited to talk to you because I was just telling Max before um, we started recording, I, on the plane down here to Sydney, I was listening to your music, having nostalgia, from my mum drove this 1990, like, two red Corolla at the Gold Coast. I had a single mum, and my sister and I used to sing along. We had The only CD we had in the car was your single <laughs> for Catch My Disease, and that was the only CD we had in the car. And, and Max was like, it would have been like the radio edit. The radio edit, the remix, <laughs> the disco version, just with like one extra drum Demo, beat in it. And then, yeah. yeah, and then I think it was Float On as well. Yeah, yeah, the Modest Mouse cover. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you were such like a pivotal part of my childhood. It's, just, it's bizarre because it's like, it was all we fucking listened to because the car was so old <laughs> that we had no other option. I didn't even the radio worked. So it was just Ben Lee again. Mum would always go, isn't he beautiful? And I'd go, yes. So this is fucking thrilling for me. Then when you tweeted about me, I got it DM'd me. My sister was like, holy shit, Ben Lee tweeted about you. So I'm so grateful that you're on the podcast. Well, it's, it's meaningful to me too because I'm always, you know, so much of my like positive creative experiences and just life experiences have just come from where I see like minds mm. just that I resonate with, just like reaching mm. out and going, hey, I, 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 I vibrate at the frequency you are vibrating yeah. at. And I'll tell you, like, I haven't been in Australia, like, to live until, you know, 2021 for a long time. And um, mm. I came across you on TikTok and it was just, mm. it wasn't even one of your like particularly most like provocative or anything <laughs> like things, but I was just like, wow, that's a cool person. And the more I saw about everything you were sharing, particularly, you know, all the the vaccination debacle and, and your progressive political views, but also like that you're fun. And I think that <laughs> so much of wanting to share a positive message gets lost if the person isn't any fun who's sharing it. So like, yeah. I, I just, I felt from, from the minute, like I started like listening to you talk and stuff, I was like, oh, she's like me. She's one of my people, you know? So, <laughs> so I, I felt, I just, I felt like we were friends from the time I first um, came across you basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so excited to see you on TikTok. So there was an article in Junkie, Rise in Junkie, yep. about how this is the year of the Ben Lee Renaissance, because I feel like you've kind of popped back into, I guess, because you've been in LA and maybe because you come back into the Australian consciousness, <laughs> like you've, you've always been there, but I feel like with TikTok, everyone's like, fuck yeah, Ben Lee's on TikTok. I think everyone my age who kind of grew up listening to your music or had their mum with the Corolla, you know, Little Red Corolla, it's very, um, it's nostalgic. And I love seeing your family and I love seeing your life and it's, it's, it's quite heartwarming to me. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where like, you know, the longer you have a career in sort of pop culture, you just realise that it's all just built on rhythms and mm. I think to live with the sort of Madonna-esque expectation that you'll be in the spotlight 100% of the time is like, it's pretty unhealthy. Um, mm. So I look at it more as like, I just keep doing my thing. And, you know, Andy mm. Warhol talked about this. He's like, keep doing your thing. Fashion will come to you. 
and it will like, you know, at moments where you connect Mm -hmm. with the rhythm of pop culture will happen, but you don't chase it. And it just happened, Mm -hmm. I think, in the pandemic and Catch My Disease and we're all in this together, sort of resurfaced. yeah, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I was like... Yeah, Did no, Ben Lee predict COVID-19? Exactly. And Better than so The I, Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I think there's like weird moments where you sort of like resurface in mass consciousness, but it's never been mm. an obsession of mine that like I have to live there 100% of the time. Yeah. I want to ask this to you actually about your career. I know this is kind of a boring question, but it's interesting to me. So I'm going to ask it. Fuck if anyone's bored by this. <laughs> I'm interested. So when you started out in music, you were, how old are you? 14. Yeah. In Sydney. Yeah. You started in a band. And then also we noticed you disbanded the year that I was born. So you went solo. It was I a was response. Born. It was a response. Was- I was like, Abby's here. <laughs> Let's re let's reshuffle the deck. Let's yeah. change things up. But I was wondering how you see the ebbs and flows of your career because, like I said, like you was you like again. This could have been because it was the only CD we had. But I know I know you you're huge. Then you come back and forth, and I don't feel like you've ever been from your TikToks and just from obviously listening to your music. It doesn't really seem like that Madonna. Like you're trying to get a, as famous as you can be or as big as you can be. It just seems like, to me, you just love making music and if it works, it works. And then you just kind of, as they say, float on. Well, you know, like I'm like, I'm like weirdly like a bit of an elitist in the sense that I always cared more about the quality of my fan base than how many of them yeah. there are. So like yeah. to me, like, and, I, and it doesn't mean someone has to be famous to like my music, but I just wanted like smart, in, um, mm. sensitive like enthusiastic human beings to be my audience. Yes. And yeah. to me, like being an artist, it's like, it's like you're constantly, you're, 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 I guess you're in like a waltz or something. Like it's like a dance mm. with an absolute lunatic ghost or something <laughs> who is like leading and you're just trying to follow. And so I'm just trying to like keep dancing and follow mm-hmm. the kind of vibe that is coming of like what excites me and what what I feel okay, it wants to go here, it wants to go there. And it's really mm. just inspiration, you know, but but it's like all I can do just to keep up with it. See, I can't imagine trying to write a song. I just sit here and talk shit and people pick it up. Like, it's I, not I that can't different. Imagine, <laughs> <laughs> talking shit to a, to a melody. But I mean, I mean, I think it's it's incredible how many different stages of a career you've had. You have, is it true you've had 20 albums? Is this the 20th album yeah. coming out in June? I stopped counting a while ago, but I have heard people throw that it's number. It's like me with how many people I've fucked. It's like <laughs> I've given <laughs> up counting. <laughs> You're like at a certain it's, point. It's more dignified not to use numbers, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I like it's quality. It's quality, you know? It's quality. Absolutely. So where does your inspiration keep coming from? Because I I think we've all tried to write a little song in our heads. I think we've all had the songs where like, you know what, I could do this. Max, have you? Yeah, all the time. I, I was trying to think of one earlier of like, how can I make It's A Lot into like a little song? Like, it's a lot with Abby Chatfield. There, I did one. That's beautiful. <laughs> Don't judge but, me, Ben. But <laughs> no, where, I hope you guys is... do one. We should do one. We should like <gasps> we should like put one together and we can figure it out, like what you guys need and stuff. Like I like that kind of thing. Before but, the um... end of the session, let's do it. <laughs> oh, my well, God. Let's, let's make it good. Let's put pressure. <laughs> let's make it good. Good, babe. But but that lunatic ghost, yeah. does it take you, do you find inspiration from the same places every time or does it change as you get older and as your career changes or is it just, you know, you'll be hanging up plastic leaves in your beautiful daughter's bedroom and go, aha. <laughs> well, don't you reckon like, firstly, like when you're creating anything, like even just say TikToks, like you must have had this experience where the thing you make in 10 seconds that you put no thought into catches on and the thing you work really hard on has no impact whatsoever. And every time. Yeah. So I just find it sort of like the biggest um, surrender for me is actually the lack of control in the situation. Mm. I don't know where it comes from. Um, Mm. I, I, I really don't, I mean, I don't want to get like too esoteric about it, but, but there's a, there's a great, there's a, a movie I like. Um, there's a filmmaker I like called Carve Zahedi and he made a movie mm-hmm. called Tripping with Carve. It's on YouTube mm-hmm. where he, his idea was each episode was he was going to invite a different person to do mushrooms with him, but he only mm-hmm. did one episode and he did it with Will Oldham, this songwriter I love. And at this one point they're lying in the grass in this field and Carve says to Will, I love your music. So I love you. And Will says, no. And Carve says, why? And he says, Will says, because I love the music too. 
Oh, Do you get that? So, so like he's being? saying that like even the person creating it is also experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately Absolutely. I'm just trying to make music that I like. Like mm-hmm. from the time I finish an album until it comes out, that is just mine. The world doesn't have yeah. it yet. And that few months yeah. I listen to that thing so much because it's like, it's like my favorite artist just made a new album just for yeah. me. And I'm the only <laughs> one who can hear it. A little secret. <laughs> and who knows how it works? I don't know how it works. It's incredible. Well, that actually brings me on to I was I was falling asleep last night and uh, thinking about because I had you know I had things I wanted to ask you, but I was like I want to get into because I know how intelligent you are and how like you were saying I think we kind of vibe at the same frequency and I think you have a lot to say and I've I've I was falling asleep and I was like what can I ask Ben that's actually important that I want to talk to a musician about and recently I did a podcast episode on a band called Rancid Eddie. I listened to. Have you heard about? Did you? Okay, yeah. well, this is perfect. Firstly, Abby, I've been listening to your podcast and it's so funny because I'm not even watching the, um, what is it, The Bachelor- Bachelorette? Yes, I- I'm yes. not watching it. I'm just listening to the recaps. <laughs> oh, my God, that's incredible. <laughs> so it's my, I, 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 I'm conjuring images of all of these people in my mind. I mean, I know Brooke, I'd love to see but I don't drawings. know anyone else, so I'm just, like, picturing these different guys and girls. Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see drawings or like, of, of who you th- what you think they all look like. That is so, it's like when you read a book and you're like, this is what I think this person looks yeah. like, and they, and they cast the wrong person for the film. You're going to watch it and be like, that's not. <laughs> That's not Jamie Lee. That's but I keep thinking I want to watch it. But then, like, I listen to your recap. I'm like, I get the idea. Like, she talked about all the good bits. Like, I'm going to – and I'm like – and honestly, like, I think I'm probably, like, more interested in your insight into it than I am into the actual thing. But anyway, um, back yeah, to Rancid I mean, Eddie. Back to Rancid yeah, Eddie. So, so I, I want to talk to you because I am kind of stuck on this point and it's something that I think some listeners might be upset with me about, but I, I genuinely get stuck thinking about whether or not you can separate the art from the artist. And I think you're an interesting person to speak to because you seem like a very wholesome man, very lovely, wholesome man. You make very lovely, wholesome music. So I think... It's it kind of it, it is a there's a kind of there's a joining there right so it's all very aligned, but some some people make very lovely wholesome music and are very shitty people and vice versa. So what do, I just want to get your opinion on whether you can separate the art from the artist, and if if so, is there a line drawn in the sand somewhere? Um, well, firstly, I have to uh, you know I, I I have to clarify that I, when you, wholesome is a very um, you know, I know what you're saying, but it's also a word that can be misleading and reductive yes. in that we're all three-dimensional and twisted and bizarre and perverted in our own ways. And, you know, but 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 in yeah. general, yes, I'm someone for whom... Positive. I, I try and be respectful of human beings. That's been a principle yes. of my life. So even if I'm, like, misguided, mm-hmm. I'm kind of mm-hmm. genuinely misguided. I'm not, like... Yes. You know, anyway. Um, But, I, look... There are some people who, when you find out about their lives, it stops you enjoying, it does stop you enjoying their work. But I've noticed that in the younger generation, like a lot of my friends who are younger musicians, like, um, Mm -hmm. do you know Georgia Mack? from Melbourne. Yes. You, you would yes. love her, firstly. Like, yes. She's a great musician. She plays in this band Camp Cope and does, she's also a nurse and she's been yes. va- vaxxing people through the whole pandemic. I mean, anyway, you and her oh, are like, what an, what you could, you got to have her on. <laughs> she's amazing. We'll but anyway, podcast. Yeah. She's, she's one of my good mates. Um, but younger people in the next generation, they are less in awe of great work and they actually feel that the work isn't that great if the person isn't that great. That partly what your responsibility as an artist for is also to hold space for your audience to have an experience where they're kind of held mm-hmm. through that and that your integrity, the way you treat people is part of the value you bring as an artist. And I'm yeah. noticing this more like there was much more forgiveness of bad behavior in my generation than mm-hmm. I think there is from here on out. And I think mm-hmm. what's happening is we're actually redefining what great work means. Mm-hmm. Because is it great work if it's made immorally or if it's mm-hmm. made at the expense of, if it's made through exploitative means, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know that there's an answer to it, but I think it's like we're actually changing our definitions of all that stuff and we're asking people to be more accountable and to like, 
I don't know that like it's not just a song. You're not just selling a song. And 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 social media has a lot to do with this in that when we like someone now, like when when I become a fan of someone, when I become a fan of you, it's mm. not just because of your TikToks or your podcast. It's like mm. there seems to be a good integrity in the entire vision of your psyche that you're sharing with the world, right? Mm. So it's like we're actually asking more of our performers and our artists. And I think that is yeah. a pretty healthy thing. So I don't yeah. know about Rancid Eddie. I just think that that like it's unfortunate that, like young people who fuck up like they obviously did, they just also don't know how to handle these situations with any type of dignity or grace or like it's so easy just to like, I guess you learn by living longer to do more listening. And if someone yeah. comes to you with a criticism, you listen and think about it. You don't have to respond right away. But like it's it's almost like the, it maybe just the speed of the internet and everything like makes people feel they don't they can't take a minute and actually digest a mm-hmm. criticism that's or a complaint mm-hmm. that's coming to them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was talking to another friend of mine who's a musician, and I was kind of getting worked up. And he was saying, you know, but I was, he's saying, what is your actual issue? And I said, well, my issue is that if I was at a concert, like I was saying in the podcast, yeah. if I was at a concert and I heard men around me yelling, like, I'm going to punch some cunt and fuck some slut, I would feel scared and uneasy about it. And then he said, but you listen to rap music and you're okay with that. Like, you're okay when it's not, which I think Max is, what do you, like, I think that's, what do you think about that? It's really tricky. Like, you it's know, tricky. sometimes it's like, oh, these are some fun lyrics. They're really good. And then other times it's like, oh, that's like if someone said that to well, me. Well, he like, was oh. like, you listen to Smack That. Yeah. By like, get drunk, get crunk, get funk, get yeah. da, da. Hit the strip club, don't forget one, get your dick crunk, get, you know what I mean? So it's like, why can I listen to that but not to an And I'm wondering. Well, but, but hang on, but hang on. But, but to, to take that parallel, to follow that logic through, listening to it is different than imagining being in a crowd with everyone singing it. Mm. You, mm. You, were, you were painting a, a very evocative image, which is what it's like to be. I mean, I, it's funny. I didn't, because I'm like a, a slighter, you know, I'm only like 5'8", or, you know, whatever that is. And I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a sensitive guy. I, I never, it, it took me some time to process that even at nighttime, when you walk down the street, if it's like, you know, you're in a darker street, if there's a woman walking by herself. I remember the first time I saw a woman cross the road because she saw a male walking towards her down. And I, mm. to me, it felt like laughable because I'd be like, oh my God, someone's afraid of me. But, but the point being that like, it, it, it's, that's a very particular thing to do with being a woman in a crowd surrounded by men singing a certain lyric. And I don't think whether that's rap or rock or whatever, I think it would be equally quite nervous making if there was like heavily sexually violent lyrics going on being yelled at by men around you. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of the same. So I kind of thought in my head, I tried to, because I sat with that for a while, because and I was like, you should be on Rancetti's publicity because uh, they're not doing very well. I was <laughs> nope. like, that's actually the only good point I've ever heard was that I listened to Eminem gladly, but I, but, but you know what I mean? I was like, well done, babe. And he was like, hmm. yeah, they're just, they're just not very bright. And I was like, they're not. Um, but I, I, it's, I was I was thinking maybe it's because they're younger and because they're Australian and maybe it's the Australian accent that makes me feel uncomfortable or it's they're like they seem like they could be my mates and maybe it's that element the, that they're they're more familiar to me than you know Eminem fifteen years ago yeah and we've learned to call that behaviour out in our mates yeah and maybe yeah maybe it's that I don't know I just I want to talk to an actual musician about that because I just it's it's been like it, I mean I did talk to an actual musician about it he's actually pretty. Big. <laughs> but you're you're one that writes lyrics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I and then I think about like like for example, this is obviously a very big a bit very big uh person to talk about, but like Michael Jackson. Do you think when they die it's okay? Well, it's still weird, man. When I'm like at it's like It's weird. When I'm at a party like, you know, my daughter's 12 and if she's at a party and like a Michael Jackson song comes on, all the grown-ups look at each other a bit like it's a yeah. little weird. It's a little weird. You can't help it. It's, it's not like I don't think it should be outlawed or anything. It's just like I don't feel personally that great about it. I'm not the hugest Michael Jackson fan, but I've had um, artists who I've met who I've disliked the interaction with and it's made it a little bit uncomfortable to listen to the music. Not that they're like pedophiles or anything. They're just like (laughs) I have a bad association with it. It can affect the way you listen to things. I've slept with people... (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I've slept with people that make music, and now this song comes on in a bar, and I'm like, Ugh. it's a no from me. <laughs> I'm like, it's a no from me. I've met, I've met dickheads that have actually, you know, that they have come out as being dickheads, and I'm like, oh god, like the dad of my sister, just like you have bad interaction. I don't think you're right. Maybe this is a better way to look at it as like you're selling or you are promoting a a singular, not a product, but you, like, I guess it is a product of a person that creates music and why you can separate yourself from that and, and experience it separately then. But as a, as a consumer, you have to understand there is a full person behind that. And if you're like the person, that's okay, don't like the music. Yeah, I mean, I think public right. figures and artists and stuff are, you know, they're like the myth, mythology of the modern world, you know, because mm. we don't really have like gods and goddesses and, you mm. know, angels and archangels and all that. But we have sort mm. of celebrities and, you know, whatever. It's probably mm-hmm. not, not, not an appropriate place to put we these are projections. Archangels. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but um, in Byron, you have the archangels, I'm sure. Um, in Byron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think that... Um, beyond the song, beyond the podcast, beyond the TikTok, like what we ask of our public figures is to shed a light on a way of looking at the world. Mm. You know, and I know for me, music, writers, directors, they've literally changed the way I look at the world. Like they've been my Mm. teachers. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, it's like if you went to like, if you were married and you went to a couples counsellor and you found the couples counsellor was getting a divorce, you would just be like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to keep coming to you for guidance <laughs> with my marriage, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like that. It's like, it's like, I want to know that the shit you're saying, that it works. Like, mm, I want to know that what you're selling so me about being a happy, I look to music to like guide me to happiness, you know? Yeah. And if I, if I feel that there's hypocrisy in that, and then it's just like a pose and that the person yes. is not really like living it, it, it's not interesting to me in the same way. There's lack of integrity in the music. Yeah. Wow. You fixed my problem for me. Thank you, Benley. I need to be the person. Because I like, not that I was torn, but I was like, I was having conversations with different people and then the the rap thing really threw me off guard. But I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to (laughs) cancel people in my head, singularly. (laughs) Just for me. Just for me. I can can skip their music. I can do it. I have so many, I have so many things like that. I just like, I I just don't like the vibe. You know, I'm like, yeah, there's, artists, there's artists who I like, I respect their business decisions, but I like listen to the music. Mm. I'm like, this is not, this is not giving me anything. It's not nourishing me in my soul. You know? No, low vibrations, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I want to talk about was, is kind of about, I guess, artists doing kind of questionable things. <gasps> Is it Ooh, juicy? <laughs> I'm waiting for this to get a little more scandalous. I, love, I know, many. Well, okay. Now, vaccination. Don't hold back, Abby. I'm. I want oh, the full I've, Abby Chatfield experience. When do I ever hold back? I'm I know. Fucking, that's. I'm just hoping I, you're not going to be too. You know. I want to like. You just say what's on your mind. I'm. I'm here for it. I, I'm in it. Okay, I don't. Good. I don't think I have the ability to have a filter. Good, good, it's good, fucked. Good, good, good. It's actually that's what gets me a lot of shit. Um. <laughs> so it gets me death threats from anti-vaxxers. Which if you're not getting death threats, you're not trying hard enough. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> I got death threat the other day. I don't know if you saw in my stories, but someone, some guy was on the toilet, and he um was like, "I'm just sitting on the toilet taking a shit." And uh, I'm just thinking, I can't wait till that Abby Chatfield bitch kicks the bucket, hey? And tagged me. <laughs> Max, I was about to film. I was about to film my show, and I started crying because I was like, "Why did a man on a toilet just threaten my life?" But do you feel any complication with like because they're trolls, right? And what mm. they really want is you to slap back. Like, yeah. do you ever feel morally like? It complicated about that, like giving them airtime. Yeah, I do. I, I that's the one thing that I that I really get confused about. So a lot of people say, "Don't you feel bad? Like you're trolling them?" Then if you post their shit, I'm like, I would never say anything to anyone via DM that I wouldn't be fine to be in public. Um, but when it comes to giving them airtime, I do feel I do feel conflicted about it because I do think that's what they want. They want a reaction. They want to know they did something to me. But I also think it's more important for me to know that people are aware that... Because a big thing for me is when I first started getting trolled was off The Bachelor and everyone would say to me, publicists, you know, social media people, like, it's just some random person in their mum's basement who has no life. But it isn't. 
it's it's people that we work with. It's people like I posted um, someone saying to me that, so I almost had a car accident recently and someone said to me, do, do you ever have anything positive to say? Because I was crying on my stories. Oh, that was so inappropriate. It was disgusting. Yeah. Someone DM'd me and said, response. that's my dance teacher. Someone DM'd me and said, that's my dance teacher from when I was eight years old. So it isn't, that's why I posted because I think it's more, it, it's less about like, I want them to be punished. It's more about like, you need to be aware of the people in your lives. I've had so many times, I've had my, one of the first people off The Bachelor who would incessantly troll me was a guy that I went, I knew from high school, his girlfriend's mum was, and I DM'd her and I was like, hey babe, I think your mum needs like some, I'm not, <laughs> not trying to be funny. I was like, I was like, I think your mum needs some therapy. Like I was like, this is bizarre. Everything I post, she replies, fat slut, die, fucking bitch, die. And she's like a 45, and her Instagram's like photos of flowers and like love my children, love heart. But every post. So I think it's less about, um, I don't really care what their reaction is to it. I think it's more like I want people to see that trolls aren't just literal trolls under a bridge. It's people in your lives. Yeah, well, that's right, exactly right. I also think like one of the things that, you do really well is also like, cause you're brave in dealing with people who are harassing you. Like I always think like, for me, one of the main things I want to encourage in my audience through my music is courage because Mm. like life's really hard and it gets really stressful and we're all dealing with so much crap. And I love the idea that when people say to me like, Oh, I was, I, you had to go for this job interview and I was really nervous. Then I listened to like Born for This Bullshit or whatever and I was like, I got all mm-hmm. like hyped up. I was like, mm-hmm. if you can be part of helping people feel brave enough to handle life, it's an mm-hmm. amazing like teachable moment. So I just mm-hmm. wondered how you, if you felt like, because in a way you are also giving them what they want, which that's the bit that like is yeah. annoying. You know? it's, like, it's annoying, but it's like when I repost Daily Mail articles or something, I'm like, I know that they want fucking clicks, but sometimes yeah, it goes yeah. too far and I'm like, fuck this. But yeah, I think with the trolls, what they're going to get from that is they're going to then get uh, reactions from my followers, which we don't condone, but that's the reality. <laughs> Max, we don't condone. We don't, we don't condone. Said totally convincingly. <laughs> <laughs> but then they come to me and they go, you're bullying me, take this down. And all I've posted is, and often I don't say anything along with it, I'll just go, lol. Or like they cap, their their bio will say, Jesus, love heart. So I'll just repost, Jesus, love heart. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't say like, go get this person, fuck this person. I'd be like, okay, question mark. Thanks for the death threat on the dunny. Like, what? Like, and then they'll say, you're, you're bullying me, you're attacking me. It's like, you've attacked yourself with your own words. So it is kind of... A, a, they don't end up, I think they, they think they want attention. Yeah. And then what happens is they get the attention that they've given to me and then they get. They well, get, it's a uh, game, you know, I mean, sparring, mm. uh, public sparring, it's existed mm. for thousands of years. Well, have you ever had anything controversial in the, in the news at all? I know I you've mean, ever heard anything. I mean, no, I, I have. I mean, um, I've, yeah, my controversies though are weird because they're like, they're all, I've always innately been a performance artist um, Mm. in that I like making people think and I Mm. like, I've always believed that confusing people is a noble art form. Um, Mm. So, you know, the big thing I went through is when I was, um, so when I was 19 and I was, I just moved to, I was living in New York and I was really um, infatuated with the spirit of the ambition that people in America allowed themselves to have, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like in Australia, particularly in like the underground music community, it was like blasphemous to say you wanted anything bigger than like selling out the Lansdowne. You know what I mean? It was just like a very, yeah. (laughs) I go to Lansdowne though. Yeah, so so I was like, I just decided like, and I was really into, do you know Andy Kaufman? He's like a great Uh, comedian who was like, anyway, I just decided when I put out Breathing Tornadoes, that album that had Cigarettes Will Kill You on it, I was like, I'm going to, in every single interview I do, I'm going to say I'm the greatest Australian artist of all time and this is the greatest (laughs) Australian album of all time. And I did it and it went... It went ballistic to the point that like Bernard Fanning from Powderfinger, he like oh did God. an interview where he called me a precocious little cunt whose music's a publisher. Anyway, this is long. Was he old being serious history. or was he joking? No, me and him of me and him, this is all so far down the river, but this is ninety nine or whatever. Little, but, oh my god, I was four years old. Yeah. In in the Corolla. But but, <laughs> but you know what's funny? Like people um 
people would say to me, do you really think you're the greatest Australian artist of all time? And mm. I'd say, of course not, but kind of. And um, <laughs> because like, yes and no, right? It's performance. Yeah. And what I knew is that like, I needed, I wanted to have that. That's what I see in you. Like you have that fight mm. in you that is mm. just going to like, you're going to have like a shot at the title and you're willing to handle failure. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you fall flat yeah. on your face, you go, eh, whatever. I didn't whatever. get back up. It's That's the yeah. fighter spirit, you know? And yeah. um, so I've had that kind of controversy of people going like, is he mm. a really nice guy? Is he an asshole? What's the deal? Um, and I've mm. been pretty like, I wouldn't say like, I don't know if the term's like ruthless, but like mm. in terms of my career, I've just, I wanted it. I really mm. wanted it. And I yeah. took it really, and I took opportunity really seriously. Mm. And mm. I messed up a lot of them and doors open and they slam close and you go through it. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I think in some ways my biggest controversy or the thing that alienated from my peers, particularly in the 90s and early aughts, was just how shamelessly ambitious I was and that I wanted to, mm. I wanted to play with the big kids, you yeah. know. And that's essentially, like, it's funny coming back to L.A. now because, um, you know, undeniably the quality of life is better in Australia. It, it's just undeniable. Oh, good to know. It's, good to know. <laughs> it's so much better. But, you know, I, I came back. I was like, there's a club that we always play out called Largo that's like great comedians mm-hmm. and everything. And went down, saw this woman, Jacqueline Novak, do this show called Get On Your Knees. It's a one-woman show all based around the first blowjob she gave. And it was an hour of the most transcendent comedy I have ever witnessed, like, it was like early Richard Pryor. Like it was, it was oh like God. God speaking through a comedian, you know? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's what I like about that, that she's trying to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like that in this place, people, um, they give it a shot, you know? And that has yeah. always appealed to me. In the US, it seems to be this idea, obviously, of the American dream, be able to transcend, uh, you know, classes and transcend what your actual life is. And, you know, when they move to the West or the East Coast, they have this idea of, like, building multiple lives in a lifetime. And I think in Australia, there is such tall poppy syndrome that it's even, like, even, you know, managers and publicists said to me, like, you shouldn't brag too much about what, what you've bought. Like, I bought a house recently and the Daily Mail article was Abby Chatfield boasts about buying a house. Or it's like, when the podcast did well, I can't talk about it because if you if you talk about it too much, it's like you, you think you're better than everyone else. And it's interesting that that existed in, like, the indie scene even in the 90s. And do you think that's going to change? How do you think it will change? Do you think it's just the Australian way of life? Uh, I, think, I think in some ways it's already changed because when we... Like in music, when I started, the odds of even getting a record released in America or Europe for an Australian band were so slim because you yeah. couldn't be discovered on the internet. So it was just mm. like, how would it happen? Now, how did you make that happen? So how did I you made, do that? Yeah, so I made um, cassettes um, and sent them to all the Sydney labels. Um, mm. And one of them, there was a shop called Waterfront Records in the city and there was a little label at the back of there. And... Um, they gave it to a promoter, this guy, Steve Pav, who brought out the Beastie Boys and Sonic Youth to Australia and played them my tape. And they ended up signing me to their labels and sort of mentored me through the kind of US thing. So, but that mm. kind of thing had to happen. It wasn't like anyone could just mm. hear your SoundCloud. It had to be like yeah, a person. Or a TikTok song going viral. Mm. Yeah. So now though, you meet like young artists and in Australia and they're like, yeah, I want to tour Europe. I think we'd do really well in in the UK or in the Netherlands or in, you know, and, mm. and it's a much more global thing. But, and, and also I do think like the comedy I saw in Australia last year in Australia, the bands, they are mm. much, um, the, the level, the ambition and the level behind it is like higher than it's ever been, I think. So, mm-hmm. I, but, but I'm trying to like have a more like, um, I guess you'd call it like non-binary relationship Mm. to even these countries and Mm. say, look, these life, you know, these, my adventures take me through these places and there are different things that I want to tap into in different countries. And Mm -hmm. we should be allowed to experience and incorporate them all into who we are. And Mm. that's how we, I don't know, it's up to Australians to decide what Australian cultural identities like. We decided as creative people. And I think we can yeah, make we it do. whatever we want to make it. 
That's so true, Ben Lee. I love that. Um, let's go back to bitching about other people. So, <laughs> oh, 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 you know what I'm grateful for? I read um, mm. Tilly Lawless's book because of your podcast <gasps> and absolutely loved it. What an amazing amazing person. I know. She's incredible. I loved her. That podcast so episode. Smart. Yeah, she's she's beautiful. I need to have a drink with her actually. Yeah. Um, but And she's, she's really brave as well online. People criticise her. Um, you know, for for little things, it's kind of like this like bandwagony trying to cancel. She's like, I'm I've literally been a sex worker for however many years. I've been doing this. I'm in the sex work industry. I know what I'm doing. I know what I can criticize, what I can't criticize. If you don't like it, then don't don't come near me. You know, and she will listen to people and she's very obviously like left-wing and progressive and, and wonderful, but she's not gonna take any shit. She's very brave and replying to comments and be like, no, this is what I think. So that's kind of, that's my experience in sex work. I found People her voice really, yeah, it's been really like inspiring and educational, you know. I've, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Back to bitching, Ben. So, um, <laughs> too much praising people. <laughs> <laughs> too much joy. Yeah. Too much happiness. No, it's not bitching, but I just want to bring up in this vaccination campaign, I want to talk about Guy Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Now, I have an issue. So you had a, you had a conversation with Carl Sanderlands. And how did you feel about the conversation with Carl Sanderlands, Ben Lee? How do I feel about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a run-up to it. Um, mm. So, I mean, just to give the listeners a bit of background. Oh, yeah. like, like, so there was this music campaign that came out around getting people vaccinated and all the, it wasn't government and a government initiative at all. It came from within the music industry because we all wanted mm. to have gigs again. And we were like, hey, mm. let's get vaxxed and have gigs again. And mm. then it turned out that, for certain artists and their audiences, that was like a controversial thing. And Mm. I just commented that it was like almost like a sad reality about capitalism that if you're, Mm. if you are dependent on approval of an audience, like, like this, this songwriter, I love Margot Price. Um, Mm. She tweeted something today that I retweeted that I thought was brilliant. She said, sorry, I don't take orders. I barely take suggestions. And, um, <laughs> and I, I feel that that kind of artist in a way, which is the kind of artist I am, mm. um, we have a lot more freedom because our mm-hmm. business model is built on people respecting us for having our own thoughts and not appeasing. Like we lead our audiences, we don't follow them. But if yes. you are mainstream, like you saw how Taylor Swift struggled in the lead up to speaking up about, against Trump, because mm-hmm. that was almost like a corporation about to mm-hmm. alienate half its customer base. Yeah, and absolutely. the shareholders were scared, you know? Yeah. So, so I just commented something like that. And Kyle came after me. Um, and then, you know, I, anyway, then we ended up having a chat. Russell Crowe mediated and ha- <laughs> got this chat <laughs> happening on the radio. So then me and Kyle. Were, so I was very <laughs> nervous. I was nervous to talk to Kyle, um, mainly because... Um, I actually don't, I didn't know anything about him. I don't, I don't listen to the radio. I know he's a bit disliked as a person mm. and opinionated, um, but I just knew like from what he said about me, it was mean spirited and that's mm. generally not the kind of conversation I like to get in. No. Where we did get by the time, basically he opened the conversation on the radio pretty much apologizing it felt like, all but saying I'm sorry. He said, hey, I'll defend mm. friends even when I'm wrong. You know, he basically said that up front. But the the, yeah, right. the the thing I was most excited about was one idea. I got to share one idea, and that was that um, that everything is political. That he mm-hmm. Kyle was saying he thinks artists shouldn't talk politics, and I was saying there's no separation. No. It's like even no. if you don't overtly talk about politics, where you spend your money is political. Which mm-hmm. artists you collaborate is, with is political. Mm-hmm. You having me on this, me coming on this podcast is political. Mm-hmm. It's okay. both of us yeah. recognising each other as allies in a common cause of where we picture mm-hmm. society going. Everything's mm-hmm. political. And so to have the pretense that there are these sort of artists who are protected from 
live in a bubble and not make political mm. decisions. I just don't believe it's real. And I was happy you I got exist. to say that. So that was in it. You that can't was exist my, in what was your take on it? I think you have something interesting to say about it. No, I, I just wanted you to talk about it and tell everyone about okay. it. Because I, okay, I, okay, I, okay. I, I, and I think, and I think the, guy, like the guy Sebastian thing, I don't think it helps anyone sitting on the fence in regards to any political or social issue. I think if you don't, if you don't have an opinion, don't say anything about it. I think Guy Sebastian backtracking was a big fucking mistake. I don't know why he did it. Well, I don't know why he did it because of capitalism and because of the and because of the reliance on his. Yeah, and if you have like a religious fan base anti- and the way anti-vaxxers but, are in the church and all that kind of, I don't know, you know. But I also wish some brands as well have been scared about collaborating with me because of the anti-vaxxers during that peak, like when we were having like. 700 cases a day, we didn't have a vaccine yeah. yet. In Sydney, it was peak lockdown and they were really angry. I would post with a brand and the brand would get emails and DMs saying they're going to not buy from them and, and try to cancel them. And they would call my manager and I would say, that is literally, like count them up, that's what, 100 people. But they're so loud and aggressive and I'm, I'm pretty sure with Guy Sebastian, it would have been this, it's the same thing where it's like, that is a small portion of your actual audience. In reality, people are anti-vax, they're not really that extreme where they're going to try and... If they like your music and they think you shouldn't be vaccinated, they're probably the more reasonable ones. They're really extreme people that are fighting out, like Trump supporters. Yeah, I agree. For, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like a small portion. Yes. And I think the backing down makes me then question any other opinion that you've ever said. Because if, you, if it wasn't supported, whereas I say shit all the time, like my entire fucking career, but only because I was a villain. So I was, I don't know if you, if you know Ben, but I was the villain on my season I've, The Bachelor. I've understood. I've understood that. And listen, Abby, yeah. this is what I think when I was doing that whole I'm Australia's greatest songwriter, mm. I was actually choosing to be the villain. I was, mm. I was looking at it as a wrestling match and going, oh, when you walk into the ring... You mm. have to have the guy who's going, like the Muhammad Ali guy who's going, mm. I'm going to beat everyone, I'm going <laughs> to smash you into the ground. And that is that is being willing to play a role in the wrestling match, you yeah, know. Yeah. And what it and does, think- it liberates you though. It yeah, exactly. So yeah. I started talking about my abortion and like STIs that I've had and like whatever, not because I was like, super proud of them because I was like, well, they're going to fucking find this out anyway. They're snooping around my life. I may as well just talk about it. Then I have the control and I have the power. But back to the idea of existing in a vacuum, I think that then the extension of my thought is that public figures can't ever be apolitical. People can't, but particularly public figures because I don't know what the fuck you stand for and I can't resonate with you. And I guess it comes back to our original conversation. But I think that saying that... Artists and public figures shouldn't be political is absolute bullshit. Also, is Carl Sanderland's entire job not to be political? Isn't that his entire job to be provocative and whether or not he believes? Well, he yeah, and he heard that. I said, I said he yeah. was criticizing Clooney, and I was like, "What authority do you have more than George have? Clooney to talk about politics?" Yeah, and he, he said, of- he went, he went, yeah, I guess you're right about that. <laughs> no, I saw that, and I was like, yeah, Ben. Like, like everything you said, I was like, because people also very rarely the issue is as well with these big media outlets, again, because you aren't led by trying to please people or please a general yeah. a, a, a general audience, you aren't afraid to say, no, Kyle, <laughs> that's wrong. Most people, even I, when I'm around Kyle, I get a bit like, uh, like I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in, the, I'm in the studio. You know what I mean? Max is laughing. Like everyone says like in-studio Kyle and like out-of-studio Kyle are completely different people. Yeah. So, but the thing is that that's a political statement in itself, acknowledging that you will get more listens because you're driven by capitalism and you're driven by money. And I think the idea that someone can be apolitical, and that's why I have no friends. I did a podcast about this, but I did a TikTok about this, saying that when the vaccine came out, I lost no friends because we speak about politics all the time. And anyone that says they're apolitical... I don't really want to be in... What, what do you talk about? Like, <laughs> oh, this wine's yeah. nice. Fuck It was hell. really... Look, in the lead-up to um, the 2020 election, we were in mm. LA and, you know, we all really got behind um, Biden mm. because he seemed like a decent guy who was not mm. going to drive a bus off a cliff. And yeah. I didn't I didn't have to defend him and go like this is my savior this is the guy I think is going to say I was just Merch. like I was like <laughs> where well, this thing is I was just like all I know is I don't want to crash the thing just yet let's let's mm. have a shot mm. at climate mm. change let's have a shot at race yeah. relations and I saw it as very much like 
in that in America in that climate anyone who was sitting on the fence I, I did I sort of felt like they were a criminal in that moment no. because you're totally aiding and abetting if you don't dig your heels in Exactly. And if you're gonna if you're gonna support Trump, just go out, at least we can recognize you then. Like it's yeah. like the anti-vaxxers and people that are like, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? They're like, I don't know, I'm still doing my own research. I'm like, just say you're an anti-vaxxer, so at least I can recognize you as that. <laughs> Sitting on the fence, I think, is sometimes more dangerous because I have no idea where the fuck you stand. Yes. And I can't, I can't obviously the human mind wants to categorize people. But the other thing is too, it's it's like it's the vaccination thing is a little different because it needn't have been a political conversation at all. And that's, I think, what like where we were coming from with the music industry. And again, I'm really not into piling on people. Like if you look at Taylor Swift, you look at the good she's done since becoming a political voice. I think Mm. she's well and truly paid her dues for the years that she was silent. So Mm. I like to believe that I believe in redemption for people and I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't like, I think life is long, you know, and mm. if you're lucky enough to have a long career, you can really like, you can change things mm-hmm. as you go along. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm not too into like punishing people for that, but but I, I, I do think that um, as a music industry, we were really coming at it from an apolitical perspective. We were like, hey, the science says we could have gigs again if we get vaccinated. Please Why don't we do that and let's gigs. have some gigs? <laughs> and I don't know, all the voters, I'm not assuming that every single musician who joined that campaign is like a lefty. I don't know who, I don't, mm. you know, a lot of musicians, once they get successful, they get into play, paying less taxes and all that. Yeah, like, I don't know yeah, what their politics yeah. are, but the science yeah. was pretty definitive. So it just seemed like we can agree on this as a community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess it was apolitical, but then people... It's interesting the way Australia, again, not to, I know we were saying we shouldn't divide the two countries, but it's so interesting the way America has it so politicised because it was Trump's leadership at the start of the pandemic. And I saw a map recently on TikTok um, that was that was like, you know how they can do those like changing maps? Like if, if only under 30-year-olds voted, if only, and it was if only vaccinated people voted. And there was, I think it was only Wyoming would have gone red. So it's so mm-hmm. interesting. But in Australia, we aren't really finding that. Obviously, there is the far right and there is then, then, then like the oil hippie people that are trying to, you know, the alternative medicine people kind of ends of the spectrum and that horseshoe that comes around and kind of joins them together. But in Australia, we aren't seeing like all liberal voters aren't vaxxed. Like I think it's the politicization in America. <laughs> Thank <really> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank fuck. Even though ScoMo's leadership, you know, we, we've had consistent messaging and I find it so interesting in the US how grossly politicized this and that's led to them having a vaccination rate of like 55% mm. or something. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? This is This is one of the things I'm reckoning with and sort of making peace with about America at the moment. The same thing that makes it work creatively makes it Mm. not work politically. So Mm. what I love about the creative community in America is that people basically go, there's no rules, I can do it the way I want to do it and I can be the Mm. top of the world. It's like, and that's great for artists. That's a really great attitude. I do not want people above the law or with delusions of grandeur or any of that when they're running the country. So so I'm kind of, it's almost like the... um, it's like the double-edged sword of the, and, and same with Australia, you could say that there's a double-edged sword, that our humility in, as Australians is, oh, it's one of the most beautiful things that like, mm. I mean, you know, it's really funny. My wife, Ioni, like when, I remember when she first met Rose Byrne, who's like an old friend of mine from years back. And she was mm. like, oh my God, Rose is the only movie star I've ever met that asks more questions of the person she's talking to than just wanting to talk about herself. And that is a very Australian characteristic that Mm. we're kind of, we're community members. No matter how big we get, we basically Mm. value mateship and we value, and and that's great. So yes, there's the tall poppy thing, which is the the other side of people being afraid Mm. to reach out, but that's not to totally throw out the beauty of what it means to kind of have the dream of an egalitarian society where like, People look after their mates. You know, that is actually like a nice idea. Yeah. 
That's so, I wish we could have both at the same time, but unfortunately it seems we cannot. <laughs> Speaking of the difference between LA and Australia, I'm going to try and very subtly segue. Yeah, it's a random thought I just had, Benley. Um, so, do I thought I'd call you a full name? Is that <laughs> I know, yeah, a lot <laughs> of people annoying. do that. I don't know why. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it is, it's really easy, you know, two <laughs> syllables. Um, uh, so, obviously, the difference is living in LA and Australia. And what I wanted to ask you was about Kate Moss and ecstasy. Ah. <laughs> Can you tell us that story, please? Oh, yeah, that came up. I forget. Oh, it was because Elton John did that TikTok about what's your most rock and roll moment. And I was yes. remembering being at a party at, um, I think it was Max Fish in New York, actually. And um, there was like, I remember Beck was there. There was like a whole different group of people. And then um, Kate Moss and Evan Dando had uh, MDMA uh, crushed up on their hands, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, beautiful. Uh, and and it was, it was, uh, we had a, I had a little lick. Um, I, I think the thing is like my, my personal taste for debauchery <laughs> is um, it's like friendly, you know, like, mm. like my wife kind of like makes fun of me sometimes because even like, like, if it's like porn or something, like I just mm. want people like having a nice time together. Like just have like have like a good friends just having a good time together. Positive like, it affirmations. Can, it can still be it's totally raunchy. Really good job. It can be raunchy, but I don't want I don't I don't want people being forced to do things they don't want to do and people being uncomfortable and and it's like so what you're into. so much debauchery seems to be like really dark. Whereas my mm. sense of debauchery was always more like playful. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more like mm-hmm. I wanted like be connected to like the kid in me. Like mm-hmm. whether it's like yeah. whether it's like you know drugs or whatever or sex, it was just sort of like this innocent, more like how would a kid like in my heart like playfully interact with this strange moment in time? So the, yeah. a lot of my my stories like they don't ever go that dark. They're just like they're like that, you know. It's like fun little moments. Like you <laughs> licked, so you licked MDMA off Kate Moss's hand. Is what you're, that's so? Yeah, odd. I do remember. She said to me, and I actually was having a panic attack that night about something, and I was already nervous. And then I, I licked it, and I remember thinking, oh, if this has speed in it or something, it could make my anxiety go really bad. And I, I remember saying, mm. oh, I'm nervous. Am I, am I going to panic? Um, and she looked at me. She goes, mm. You're going to want to fuck. And I was like, that is the most, the most perfect Kate Moss thing to say. Just like, we're not worthy, you know? We are not worthy. That is the hottest thing I've ever heard. That is fun debauchery. That is amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ben. That was such an amazing conversation. I loved talking to you. Again, a bit starstruck, but we've we've gotten past oh, it's that. It's the best. It's the best. I really, <laughs> I'm really so grateful for what you are adding to the cultural pop cultural conversation. I just think you're filling such a needed space that people didn't even realize they needed. And I think you should. Ju- I know you're getting a lot of positive validation about it, but I just. I hope you um, realise for so many of us, like, your voice is, like, enriching our experience of, like, being in dialogue about important things. And I just think it's really, it's a really beautiful thing. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Ben. So you have a new song out and it is called Born For This Bullshit. Yes, yes. on YouTube, it's only called Born for This, I think. Yeah, no, Born for This Bullshit. But the bullshit is gone, isn't it? When you, when, when you search, when you try to search Born for This Bullshit, it's, it doesn't let you type oh, in really? bullshit. Oh, really? Well, yeah, maybe it's Australian thing. Yeah, and there's another single coming out in a month or two called Parents Get High. And then um, the album will be out next year called I'm Fun. And you are fun. Thank it's correct. You. So are you. Thank you so <laughs> much, Ben. Bye. Listener.